Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. Michael David is an actor, a writer and a producer currently working on Ballstoff, a modern actor's introduction to advanced contemporary performance. Uh, it's going to be hilarious, as you can probably tell by the uh, ridiculous Ellie Long title that I fucked up twice already in this introduction. So uh, fuck you nicely, lads. Um, no, but it's starring uh, the brilliant Fionn Foley, friend of the show, and also Ronan Carey, a friend of the show who just hasn't been on yet. Um, but Ronan is uh, an amazing um, performer who you'll also see at the Dream Gum Film just narrating the fuck out of those things um, and they're so funny I can't wait to see it it's also directed by former guest and friend of the show Hannah Mamelis and um, the whole thing is set up to be an absolutely gas night of uh, crack and Christmas and uh, theatre uh, it's on the 14th and the 15th of December uh, at 7.30pm in the main space at the beautiful Smock Alley Theatre I'm going to be there on the Friday uh, I hope to see you all there uh, I guarantee you this one is going to be full of laughs as well as that Michael, David uh, and me have worked together we worked in King Lear where we played brothers he played the slimy one and I played the kind one because you know casting um, he's also done loads of brilliant work most recently over in Edinburgh The Last Days of Mankind as well as this The Eurydice Project um, with the brilliant India Mullen and White Label uh, he's done Sucking Dublin with Reality Check Productions which they won the Irish Times Theatre Award uh, alongside Disco Pigs for the Best Ensemble um, he's worked with Rough Magic um, he's done loads and loads of brilliant stuff and he's also appearing in the upcoming season of Quantico he's um, a deadly actor a real lovely person me and MD are great friends so it was so lovely to sit down in, in this context and I actually learned loads about him it was a real surprising and lovely episode um, so MD if you are listening thank you so much for taking the time to do it alright guys without further ado please enjoy the wonderful MD McKiernan playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Michael David McKernan, ready to play Personality Bingo? Yes. Now, nah, right, let's do it. So, a quick explanation of how it all works. I've got 60 minutes on the clock. I've got 60 balls in here and 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you a sheet of paper with five numbers on it. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? Yes. Four, yeah. 21, yeah. 58, yeah. 17, yeah. 48. Nice. Um, do me another favour. Pick a sixth number, something between one and 60 that's not already there. I'm going to go for one. Number one. Yeah. Audacious. Any reason? <laughs> um, uh, I was a goalkeeper when I was playing football, mm. so that would have been my short number. Me and you both. Me and you both, we, we share that common oh, man. interest of being uh, let's done being done boy and goalkeepers. Let's fuck the, the podcast. game. <laughs> Goalkeeping is actually like one of the most fascinating things in the world. Like, yeah. the psychology of it. Like, we were just talking, coming in, like, I've gone yeah. back playing football for, like, an adult team with, like, men yeah, who yeah, have yeah. children and wives and dogs, you know? And, like, just the psychology of being, like, in a goal with all these men running at you trying to, like, destroy you, kick the ball by you, make a fool of you, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's your job to stand there, stand tall, make sure nothing passes you. And if you make a mistake, you've basically wasted everyone's time who's been breaking their bollocks running around out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you see the Liverpool-Everton match? Yeah. The week? Yeah, Jordan Pickford. Now, for anyone who isn't a football fan, it's like the goalkeeper made a catastrophe. Yeah. And uh, it was like a FIFA glitch um, in the game, and it was, uh, it was a dreadful, dreadful time for him. 
But I, like your heart goes out to the guy who stands solitary alone for 90 minutes and then makes one mistake at the very end of the game and is the villain. Totally. And that's one of the things that I realised having like, you know, played football growing up then kind of stopped and started playing, you know, little five-a-side games that we play in whatever. That's it, that's it. And, then, and then, you know, we play in outfield. But the problem with being a goalkeeper is if you make a mistake... That's well and good if you're an outfielder, you make a mistake. You go run around, you try and make amends for it. Make up for it, yeah. If you go running around as goalkeeper, you make it an error. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, I mean, you're stuck in your goal with your hands by your side. You've got like... Well, there's your first problem. <laughs> well, well, I mean, but you know what I mean? Like the ball's up the other end, you're just sitting there with your thoughts. You've got like the opposition fans yeah, chanting. You have a lot of time to think about the mistake that you made. Totally. Like it, it's very hard yeah. to... In, yeah, so it, well, we'll get back to that because I'm fascinated by the psychology of goalkeepers. Yeah. I, think I also think... For some reason, I think there's a connection between goalkeeping and acting. And acting. I always think that as well. Mm. Yeah, because it's a, it's a lonely career sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like being a goalkeeper is a very lonely job. It's a, it's a most lonely job on the pitch. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Right. Um, and I should say that if all six of them numbers do come out, that means the tables are turned and uh, you get to ask me any, any goalkeeping question. related question uh, in the world. But nobody's won yet. Is that nobody's right? won just yet. No. Is that not incredible? Yeah, it, it's on. It, sh- it like, statistically should have happened by now. Like over, what, 90 hours of bingo playing and no one has... Over 100 hours at this point, yeah. Over 100 hours of bingo playing mm. and no one has won. Yeah, I think, though... That's astonishing, like, I know, but you see, sometimes I don't... Sometimes the episodes flow in such a way that we don't get loads of spins because I'm enjoying the chat so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, but, like, when you, when you started the podcast, were you... Did you have it in your head, oh, I'm going to be answering a lot of questions here? Like, do you think people? it would be an often thing that people would win? No, but I definitely thought it would have happened before episode 100, and it doesn't look like it's going to. <laughs> okay, well, let's change that today. All right, here we go. All right, first out the gate, we have number 44. Do you have it? No, I don't. No worries. Number 44. We're right in there. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, the best piece of advice? Um, my mom used to be, a, is, a, is a big one for, like, don't give up. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I like that, and I like that in connection with um, our job and a lot of things. Just because I think if you if you just stay at it and you don't go off the radar, then you'll you'll get more work. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't give up is a good one. Um, there's a great quote that uh, that my mate Fionn Foley wrote in a card to me when we were doing a, co- a show in college. Um, uh, do you know when you get those like pre-show like good 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 luck cards and thanks for all your work? And he wrote like. Uh, just say the lines and don't fall over the fucking furniture. Which I just think is the best like piece of advice an actor can get before they go on stage. Just remember the lines, because if you remember all of your lines and everybody remembers their lines, then we'll we'll start the play and eventually it'll end. And whatever happens in between, if great. And if you act brilliant, then that's good. And if you act terribly, that's bad. But uh, if, if if we get to the end of the play, then that's a triumph. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. No, 100%. I'm interested in, um, in terms of, you know, because I mean, that's great because that is like, it's that scary thing when you go out for the first time with a new play or whatever, whatever the case is. And you're just like, I yeah. don't know. Does this work? I really don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then what's interesting in terms of like your mom, like, is that something that she said, you know, from when you were a young age and now it's interesting to frame it in that context? Or is she very much encouraging you, like in terms of the career path you chose, like she knows it's tough and she's directing mm. it very career centric? Yeah, I don't know. I think it might have been in connection with like exams and things like that. Mm. Do you know, like when when it's a very kind of mentally anxious period to like sit down for like an hour or two hours, or whatever it is, for an exam, and you like see the question, and it's like it's not uh, it's not what you expected or whatever. And she's like, just stay in it. Don't give up until 
the the end of the exam or don't give up until the end of the football match um, because you never know who's watching, if there's a scout there or whatever. Um, so yeah, it was in connection with all the things that I was doing when I was growing up. Now, I don't think she actually anticipated me going into acting um, ever, but uh, but it, it, it that piece of advice has seemed to transfer into into that quite nicely. What is your relationship to giving up? To giving up? Mm. Oh, I don't know, because uh, I don't know, I think a part of me feels like like there's been times when I have so so like I we're gonna go back to football sure we're gonna go back to football uh, so like I played football very regularly when I was younger and when I was 16 I went over to uh, to England for a couple of trials with a couple of teams and uh, like when I got over there it was it was a thing of like oh, I actually don't think I enjoy this and it's not what I thought it would be and it's uh, it's kind of a lot more kind of serious and it's not fun anymore so I kind of backed away from it and uh, and I was in like school musicals at the time, and when I came back over to school, um, I was in like transition year. And we were doing West Side Story, mm. and my drama teacher was like, "Michael, David, you, you shouldn't be playing football. Get back to rehearsals." Um, so uh, what was the question? What is your relationship to giving up? Oh yeah, so so I kind of feel like a part of me gave up on football, even though I still play the five side. Mm. But a part of me gave up on on that, um, and then around the same time, I was getting into bands when I was like 16, 17 and um, I was in a band for like five years and uh, and it was really great and it was like a band of brothers and we like like argued, argued like fuck with each other and it was it was really, really hard um, but it was like the best times in my teenage years in my head were like with the band um, but then that kind of came to an end and we were individually doing different things and um, so we kind of gave up on that so part of me feels like I gave up on music mm. potentially um so it's like so now i'm doing the acting um it's like don't give up on the acting this is the this is your third shot on like the the dream career or mm, something mm. so uh so don't give up on that one it's interesting what what because i actually can because that, that in, in a weird way really mirrors like cause, as in like i never went to England, like i was never going to be a professional footballer but mm. I, I and i so i wouldn't but like it's, it's interesting in terms of those three strands because i was in a band growing up and, and and this to what extent do you think that it was it, the careers you've chosen like how much is it that you think that you are meant to be an actor or how much is it that it, it's like you know because i can't help but notice like the thread across all those is yeah. like Footballers, like famous rich people, successful <laughs> yeah, yeah. musicians, famous yeah. rich people. Association with like celebrity culture and things like that. Do you, is there a connection there for you? I don't think so. Like I never, like I never, I was never one to like get into like watching The X Factor or reading like keeping up with celebrities' relationships or anything like that. I just think it's things that like really, I really enjoyed. Mm. Like I, when I, when I, when I did like the first school play we did was, was Les Mis. No, sorry, it was The Hobbit. Oh. We did The Hobbit when I was in first year as a first year play. Mm. And then actually subsequently, that group of of people in that year uh, graduated to doing the Lord of the Rings trilogy <laughs> as a transition year play. Wow. Yeah, yeah, incredibly. It was it was awful. Um, and it was way too long. Uh, the audience had to come over two nights. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was like six hours long in total. So yeah, on the Monday, you had to come and see part <sighs> one and on Tuesday, part two and that throughout the week. But then on Sunday... We uh, we did all of it back to back, but in the middle we had dinner with the audience in like our school canteen in costume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like it's still the the pinnacle of my career because I played Aragorn. Right, uh, that, well that's pretty sweet. Isn't that deadly? Yeah, like I mean I was thinking you're way too tall to be a hobbit. <laughs> I'm way too tall to be a hobbit. Actually, the guy who played Frodo is on Broadway now. Really? In the Ferryman, yeah. 
Oh, man. Who's, what's his name? Rob Malone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah. we're the two who've, who've kept going um, wow. from the fellowship. That is gas. I think we went off the question there. But, oh, yeah, association with, like, celebrity culture and stuff. I don't know. Um, I'm not I'm not a big keeper-upper with, with all that things, with all those things. Um, but... Is it something that you like? Um, is it something that you would like to be a famous person? No, I don't think so. Mm. Um, as in, like, would I like to be in like the limelight and in papers and things? No, I, I actually really think the opposite. Um, like, I like my time alone, and I, I live, um, you know, in the sticks with my dog. Um, so I kind of prefer just. I just like the work. I like I like acting, and I like the people that I meet through acting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the people that I met through music and stuff. So it just happens that that they're like connected, and that there's that possibility. Mm. But sure, look, yeah, who knows if that'll ever happen? Sweet, good spin now. Oh, that's unlucky. Is that really unlucky? It happens sometimes. <laughs> oh, you got lucky number seven. I don't have that though. Unlucky number seven. Um, <laughs> what is an achievement you're most proud of? Oh, um, it's fun. Oh my god. Okay, so the first thing that's coming into my head is actually my dog. Oh well, wow. is that weird? No, it's a great answer. Yeah, I got a dog this year, so there was like a couple of months where I didn't. I was like staring down the pipeline of not working, so I like I got a puppy because I had like the the space and I live on my own and. Uh, and so I got a got a Bernese mountain dog puppy, and her name is Myla. And I just spent like the couple of months that you need to spend at the start of their lives, like training them properly and showing them the ways of the world, mm. and socialising them with other dogs and everything like that. Um, and she's like this really lovely pet now, and she's she's like really human, mm. she's really human. Um, although she doesn't like Americans, really. Yeah, we went to like, we went down to the beach. Uh, in Kerry there recently and she came across the we came across these Americans and they like had different accents to what she would usually I think this was it I think it was the accent thing that they were like talking to her and uh, she just she didn't like him she just got really xenophobic very quickly and uh, and started barking at these Americans and I was like Jesus she's not usually like this I'm, I'm very sorry um, but yeah I think my dog is is like Raising, because I feel I feel like a parent mm. in a way. Mm. Um, so raising my dog is like a an achievement, and yeah. that she hasn't died yet. I think that's that's good for everybody. Totally, man. Like I remember my first experience of death was in in like in in primary school. We had a a class lizard. We got a lizard, <laughs> and we got to take yeah, we got to take it home. Um, every we got to take it home every weekend like someone would get to take it home oh. and we did it like alphabetical order so like being M I was like in the middle somewhere. middle to the end you know so the more likelihood of her dying well so I am um, oh, but we but then whoever was closest we get like a day each and whoever was closest to us we'd give the lizard to them so like th- there was another M bes- who lived near me so I would then give the, so I would take it for like Friday Saturday and then give it to him for Saturday Sunday if that makes sense yeah um because he was like a, a, a neighbor you know so like man would drop me over but like I killed the lizard oh my god but then I'm dro- sorry for making that joke no no it, it no it's fine um I like the lizard died in my care but then I didn't tell anyone and I just gave the lizard to to. I won't name him. Oh um, my god! So you gave a dead lizard? To yeah, the next and person. pretended nothing, and then he brought it in the next day and took all the blame for killing the lizard. It's probably the worst thing I've ever done. 
to this day. I don't know. Have if you I, ever admitted that? I don't think so. And you're doing it on air now. I I only thought of it when you talked about kill, not killing your dog and how that was a success, and it brought all my failings <laughs> clearer to light. Yeah, I just passed it off completely. Said nothing. So what? You handed a box of a dead lizard to your friend. <laughs> yeah. And then he or she took it and opened it up, and it was dead. And then. They took the blame for that? No, no, he just started, like... Because, like, the lizard was, like, a lazy little fuck, you know what I mean? He'd be oh. just lying around, so you wouldn't know was he dead or alive, but, like, oh. I, like, flick gave him a flick, and he was... So you knew? I knew. And, and I, how did how did, how did did they die? Ah, uh, I didn't, like, I didn't... You didn't poison it or anything? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not a sociopath. Like, I, I'm really... Well, not on purpose, but, like... Yeah, well, I mean, I, I probably am some kind of sociopath, like, about, I don't like, whoever passes, like, a dead lizard, like, around and doesn't I mean, say anything. some level, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so... But it wasn't like you fed it like a Maro bar by accident. And, nah, uh, I think the lizard was in decline and... In decline. Like, if it was past in the, the prime of his life, I know, well, you know, yeah, whatever, um, so like that's probably like uh, like a class of 30, so like maybe, I don't know, like 17, 18 weeks into his life. And um, and how long are they supposed to live? Aren't lizards supposed to live quite long? Yeah, but I think my teacher got him at like the fairy house markets and like... Oh, dodgy. We don't think it was like a healthy lizard. Um, but rest in lizard heaven. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, not great. Okay, so sorry for. But I'm so glad that. Like, so just what yeah. I'm saying is, don't let me dog sit Myla. I won't. Because I I can't pass Myla back to you and pretend that she's alive. You'll know very quickly she's not. <laughs> Myla hasn't been dog sat by mm. very many people. I think, I think Fionn took her one night when she was a very little. And uh, she just shit. Can I curse? Oh, please. <laughs> she shit everywhere. Mm. Like in his bedroom and uh, all over his uh, living room. And then, oh, Myla had a really, uh, she had a problem. Well, not a problem. It was a, It's like a natural instinct for Bernese mountain dogs to uh, cover or uh, get rid of their own um, shit. Mm. So she would, uh, she would eat it. Yeah. So, because that's like her her way, because it was like in their nature, because they're meant to be in the mountains, or they're originally in the mountains, mm. they would like cover their tracks from bears. Ah, oh. yeah. So, so they were like, they're it's in their nature to get rid of their their business, and uh, so she would. That was the only way she knew how at that age. So I had to train her not to do that. Um, but like in a way, you know, it's great because if any bears came around, we were covered. We were we're, we're good. What. How did you train her to stop eating it? There was one day that I caught her doing it, and I, it was just a matter of like scolding her and saying, "You know, Milo, don't do that." Mm. <laughs> what? What do you, do you think that um, having a dog has equipped you better to have kids? I've thought about that. I don't know because mm. now, like in a way, probably because you're like you're rearing something that's alive and you're keeping it, and you're feeding it, and you're watering it, and you're cleaning it, and you're loving it. But, like, if I had kids now, tomorrow, like, I'd probably speak to them like I'd speak to my dog, which probably isn't a good thing. And I might treat them like I treat my dog, which is definitely not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe, maybe, maybe in a few years. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do you want to have kids? When I'm older? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. Yeah. You know, if if the person in my life also agrees that <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, sure. And if we can, I wasn't I wasn't <laughs> saying you should force yourself upon anything. This <laughs> is like some sort of proposition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I've always had it in my head, like, or at least in my adult head, it was like, yeah, procreation, good idea. Mm. Let's keep the let's keep the thing going. 
Do you think the dog that like you chose, uh, Myla? Do you think that the dog that you chose says much about you as a person, about your personality? I think me and Myla are actually very different personalities. Mm. Myla is uh, is very very affectionate. That's not to say that I'm not sure <laughs> for any potential partners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just want kids that want fuck kids. off. <laughs> <laughs> um, very very different personalities. So, um. So in a way, no. Mm. But like, maybe that's the, it's a perfect like blend then. Right. That she's this like overtly really affectionate, like give me all this attention. And I'm like, come on now, play cool. You know, gotta, gotta play hard to get sometimes mm. uh, when you're in the doggy playground. Sure. Do you, do you, do you, do you play hard to get in life? With, with respect to potential romantic partners? Yeah. Or like with jobs. I just don't go into auditions. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that because that's obviously a thing in jobs. Like, you, you know, you, you have to be careful that you don't come in being like, I want the job, I want the job, yeah, I want the yeah, job. Yeah, that, that, that weird piece of advice, that yeah. oxymoron of like. I know. Yeah, yeah. Don't go in like, you're, like you desperately want it because mm. then it's it smells bad. Yeah. Um, But do I play hard to get in life? No, I don't, I don't think so. Mm. Um. In respect to romantic partners now, or yeah, um, no, I don't think so. I think if I if I if I like someone, then I kind of make that known, mm. and uh, but then I kind of leave the leave it in. Sometimes I leave it in their court, mm-hmm. and I like express whatever it is, and then I'm like, okay, over to you. You know, you can reciprocate, or but there's no pressure. And when you say express whatever you feel, what does that mean? Like you'll tell them. Usually, it's a it's a uh, I give them some scratch cards. Oh. Uh, or like a one for all voucher. Oh, very <laughs> and, good. Uh, and in uh, in the scratch card, when they scratch it out, it's like, I hurt you. That actually happened. That a, f- a friend of mine did that to ask his prospective partner out. He got this scratch card made, and uh, when she they went on a date to like Hoth or something, when they, when she scratched it out, he was like, "Will you go out with me?" And it's not the best thing. It's so good as long as they don't say no. No, they didn't say no. That Then it's amazing. I think it was too good. I think they should yeah. have saved that for marriage. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, it's so good. It's so good that, like, imagine if the person was like, no, you Said fucking no. don't. Yeah. <laughs> or got really freaked out by it. It was like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, or like, I wanted to win 20 grand, you prick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not your fucking company. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Mm, that is lovely. That yeah. is very nice. I think that's really romantic. How did he like? How did he get that made? Yeah, they work in the film industry, so it was like they got they got in touch with like props people. Mm. I don't know, like the the magic of sure. you know film props. They can do anything. Yeah, and they just yeah they got that made with her name in it as well. Love it. All right, standard set. Spin the balls. Okay, here we go. Number thirteen. Do you have it? No. Number thirteen. Aside from acting, what is your greatest passion? Oh, well, we've kind of talked about a couple of them. Um, mm. um, so it's kind of between, like, football and music. Sure. Um, so with, with football, yeah. like, did you believe when you were 16, say, that you were going to be a professional footballer? I think I definitely, like, had it in my head that it, it was a possibility. Mm. Um, and I think if I hadn't of uh, shied away from I kind of backed away. When I came back from England, I kind of... Let the season finish out, and then I kind of moved to a, a different team and kind of let it dwindle down. And then the leaving cert started, and kind of backed away from it. But I think if I had kept going on the kind of same level of ambition that I had that I had going to England, I probably 
could still come home and maybe play League of Ireland or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you when you said earlier that it stopped being fun? What was it that that happened? I was like, <clears throat> I was in Bournemouth, um, which is cooler to say now because in the Premier League, sure. but they weren't when I was there. It was League One, I think. But let's just say I was with Bournemouth anyway, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I was just in a dressing room with a load of lads who'd grown up in the area and were then put into the academy setup, and now we're in the kind of youth setup. And they were living in digs away from home, and some of them were like from not from from not in the area. And they, just that particular group of lads, there was some of them who didn't, um, who were there because their dads were like failed footballers or something, and were like really pushing them. And um, and it was this, it was just a real, it was a real kind of serious cloud over the whole thing. And uh, it was also really fucking tough. It was really tough. It was like the the hardest fucking training sessions I've ever I ever had in my life up until that point and then we were taking ice baths which is not something that we did here in Ireland and then you wake up the next day um, and it just it also felt like a kind of a lonely life as well because you'd, you'd wake up and you go to training for 10 o'clock and you'd be there until one you'd have, you'd have your lunch and you'd go home mm. um, or then you'd prepare for a match or whatever so like the loneliness and then just the attitude of some of the players there just kind of put me off a little bit Um. Uh, so I think that that was it, mm. and it just it was that thing of like I've been playing football since I was like four or five, you know, and you were just you were put in it to to make friends and to like you know be athletic and stuff and be a kid, and then so you grow up and then you're like oh Michael David's a good goalkeeper put him in goals and he's he's gonna he looks like he's gonna be tall, mm. um, and then it was like the next thing I was like oh he's quite good in goals let's put him onto Let's get him on this team. And, oh, put him on the academy team. And so it just kind of happens without you really being conscious of it. And you're just like playing football because that's what you enjoy. Um, And then before you know it, like I was just in England. I was like, oh, fuck, okay. Um, And it was like it was out of my control that it was, that it was, that it was happening that way. Even though it was totally what I wanted at the time. But then I just kind of took a step back. And when I came home, I was like, actually, I really want to go to college. Mm. And I want to have the college experience. And I was getting really into music. And... I want to be able to do that. And if you went off and played football, you wouldn't be able to do You were denying yourself a lot of other things that just seemed really appealing to me at the time. What was the best part about being a goalkeeper? Oh, uh, I don't know. Uh, shouting. <laughs> shouting at people. I really? Think. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I'd be, when I was playing football, I was like quite a quiet character in the dressing room. Like, I've kind of softly spoken and stuff. But then, step on the pitch, it's like you have license to absolutely shout at people and like, bark orders because that's your job it's your job yeah you know you can see you're the best position to see everything in front of you and uh, the movement of the other team so I think barking orders and just that release and in a way maybe that's connected to acting that it's like you become somebody else and mm. you have license to do things that you wouldn't otherwise be allowed to do in real life interesting yeah um, and th- and there's that unspoken rule of like you can give out yards to your back four when you're a goalkeeper um, and when you step off the pitch it's like none of it matters mm-hmm. and then you, you go for lunch with them and that's it Sure. What was the worst part? Letting in goals, man. Oh, devastating. Mm. Or making, yeah, like we were talking about at the start, making a mistake. Yeah. Um, or like, uh, <laughs> yeah, because if you make a mistake, like then you get everything that I just said back at you mm-hmm. by ten people. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. There, there, there was because um, I played uh, Gaelic football as well, 
as uh, football and probably like a, a better level of Gaelic football to be honest and we got to the county final um, under 16s and it was under floodlights in Navan and we were winning by two points in the last five minutes oh on no. the under 16 county final which was a really big deal like that really was at the time like our world and Navin O'Mahony and Boyne is a really bitter rivalry like because yeah. no one likes Navin just as a rule and um, and like you, you know we knew these lads and they were tough they were like you know they were like they weren't the nicest bunch of men <laughs> and uh, young men and in the last one of the last kicks of the ball and um, their uh, corner back had like made this surging run up the right side touchline and he was on about 45 yeah. and he thought he could point it and he strikes it really well and it's sailing and it's sailing oh, and, no. and then it but it's it's dipping yeah. and like I was still like smarter than I would be now you know and it just you know it, the goal was definitely my fault and it looped in over my head into the top corner oh, no. in the last minute from like 45 yards like oh god you know, forty five yards is what in Gaelic. I don't know Gaelic. Ah, uh, like long. it's like it's like halfway line, halfway line. Not far from it. No, not oh far from it. Like it's too far for it to be like you know. It, it'd be like yeah, it'd be like being chipped from like the the, the D in, in in soccer. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Um, on your side, say the half, and um, went over my head, and we lost by a point, and like all the lads, obviously, were like felt sympathy for me but like I just cried really? they were really were uh, they sympathetic they were my friends like yeah. when you, when I know they, and, then the, and the boys could be pricks there were some lads on the team who could be ourselves like re, like as in like that because that's a weird form of bullying that goes on yeah. with young men and especially like as a goalkeeper like I, I like um because if you make a mistake then not only are you the cause of the goal but you're also like throwing like fucking homophobic slurs back at you as well do you know I mean it's weird like the it, it's a really weird position especially at that age like young lads just sometimes have aggression that they need to get out of them yeah and like that'll often come out on the other team or but when it can come out on their own teammates too and like i i had that and i was very very meek and very polite and very lovely as a little like as a, as a teenager mm. but like that didn't lend itself to being a good goalkeeper like i didn't have the fundamental confidence that i do now um to do the things that i like do now say like they, they really serve me like having gone back playing football recently yeah. you're very vocal in five side very vocal you're very you give, yeah. you give it to me a lot that's because you're lazy and then you'll do something incredible <laughs> and it's so annoying it's like if you run around it'd be so yeah, helpful yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly no but like but that's the thing because I think I'd be like very like di- like when I, you play five aside of me like yeah I can do all the like the basics like very well but like but you're a workhorse I, yeah, work. you'll outwork anyone else yeah 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 that, whereas like I'm quite lazy yeah but, but, but then, then you bang a goal in yeah, from like the halfway line and that makes it worse because then <laughs> it nearly justifies your laziness everything yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah but uh but um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's a very interesting. Thing, but I like I still remember that moment of like that night, and like I just remember on the bus home, just crying and yeah. crying and crying, like mm. crying tears as like a sixteen-year-old boy. I mean, like that's normal. But like, as in, yeah, like on the bus. And what a great that. education! What a great education! I suppose. I mean, what did I learn from that? That's the thing. What What did you learn from your worst goalkeeping mistake, or did you learn anything, or was it just a terrible moment in your life? I never made any mistake. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, I can't really remember. Can you tell me about your worst mistake? mistake? You, you can. I can't. I can't remember. Maybe I just blocked them out. That is so interesting. I remember so many of my mistakes. Really? Yeah. Do you remember any of your best saves? Because I remember all the. the hi- I remember the highlight reel. Well, you see, this is probably like a really healthy thing, which is probably why you were over in England and I wasn't. In terms of like, that's a really good attitude to have as a footballer. Like, I think footballers like. I, and I, I, I'm. This sounds like I'm insulting you. I'm not. But like, there's a level of stupidity to that. Oh, completely. Like, you know what I mean? And to like an animalistic sense. 
for a goalkeeper as well. Yeah. There's a, certain, there's a certain madness attached to it. Oh, totally. That you're going to like jump, you know, higher than everybody else and potentially knock people out of your mm-hmm. way to get that cross coming Yeah, in. you have to make like that area, you have to dominate it. Like, yeah, it's territorial, yeah, it, it really is. Well, that's so interesting, you don't remember mistakes. your mistakes. What, what, go on, what was your best save, so? <laughs> I'm gonna be very boring to describe on on a podcast. I mean, but, but like, what, uh, like, what? Do you, like, it's interesting though. Did you consider your best saves to be like the big spectacular ones? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Because I was always very tall. Sure. So I was very, I was always very long. Mm. Um, maybe like we were over in uh, Spain one one year, and uh, uh, we were playing against a Malaga team. Um, this, this was like for the. Uh, for like the Brentford Academy we were playing against Malaga in Malaga and we were playing against their youth team so it was like two or three year- kids that were two or three years older than us mm. they were bigger and they were like men and they were turning up on motorbikes no and way. yeah it was intimidating and like I think somebody had a pop from like nearly the halfway line but it was a fluke and it like bounced on the edge of the box and it was going to loop over my head oh. so I had to kind of like trot back very quickly and like tip it over if only your listeners could see the movements I'm doing yeah. it <laughs> I'll describe it. You, you raise your hand, reach into the sky as if you're going to pull the sun touched into the air. God, T- and then, touched God. And then bat, batted and the ball over the, over the crossbar. fingernails. Yeah, and then I came, they like brought me off uh, for the last 20 minutes to put the other guy in. Mm. And like the, the manager like gave me a hug. Oh, wow. Kenny like gave me a hug and it was like, he was emotional. Mm. Like, and we, we got bet 5-0. Right. But, like it was the best he'd seen us play as a as a as a unit and as a team, and he was just so proud of us. Yeah, so proud of everyone. He was, he was hugging everyone. He wasn't a very emotional man. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was a, that was a special. Yeah, do you moment. know? And I'm aware we've been talking about sport for a while. And I'm not trying to alienate anyone, but like I do think it, there's something like what's so interesting to me uh, in Dunboyne, recently where I'm from. Like I've been back there a little bit more than normal, mainly because the lads that I grew up playing football with won the Dunboyne or the, the Mead Senior Championship, oh, yeah. which is like a huge deal. Like it's only happened. This was the third time it's ever happened in their history, and like, but it was so like, as in it. It what what I love about sport is that it just makes men. I'm speaking generally, but it just mm. makes men behave in a way that men don't behave. Wouldn't usually. Like they're, they're hugging emotional. each other, they're kissing each other, yeah. they're crying. These are lads who don't express. Like these, these are your like definitive Irish males yeah. in that sense. And I love them. Like I have a part of that in me too. But like I'm also very emotional and very sensitive and like quite like comfortable talking about my feelings. Like these guys aren't. Mm. And then when they win this match, or if they lost it, it wouldn't have really mattered. It was just going to the extremities of their emotions, yeah. which is so special. Like yeah. you've seen it even at the weekend with Liverpool. You see Jurgen Klopp. Jumping around the pitch for joy. All right, yeah. it's a bit annoying when you're not a Liverpool fan, but like I can really appreciate that. Like that he passion loves it, you know. Out, yeah, it's amazing how like that's just the way men get into. And that's what I meant by that comment earlier. And it was like, what a great education because at 16, when you made that mistake and you had this outpouring of emotion, that was you like dealing with with a uh, with grief and and a loss yeah. of uh, the likes of which you'd never seen. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, football. Sport. We could talk about football. Sport. I know. I know. Need a new podcast. No too. Um, football bingo. All right, here we go. Number twenty-eight. Do you have it? I got twenty-one, man. No worries. Number is not going the way I thought it would. Yeah. Well, hey. Uh, number twenty-eight. The question is: Do you believe in love at first sight? I don't think so. I think you can definitely have like a like a very immediate attraction attraction to someone mm-hmm. and like um, recognize someone qualities in someone immediately. But like, I think the type of love that the question implies of like like deep true love mm. um is built over time and you know trust and uh, honesty is developed and 
you know everything that goes with that um, and time spent and shared experiences like develop into the the love that we're maybe implying here mm-hmm. what about um when you saw your dog for the first time <laughs> uh I changed my answer. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not trying to make you change your answer. I'm because yeah, that's that's a great answer. I was just curious. Like, what was it? Yeah. The thing that made you you choose Myla? It's a gorgeous name, by the way. Yeah, it's a really nice name. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Myla. It was it was like the feminine version of Milo, mm. which is a which is a common dog's name, but it's also the a title of a Coldplay album, which I really like. Oh yeah, Milo's Milo. Yeah. Mm. Um. So uh, yeah, what did I think better? Ah, yeah, you fall in love with puppies, like, immediately. But I go back to my previous answer, like, the shared experiences of shouting at Americans and being racist like that. Like, and eating shit. And eating her own shit. <laughs> and, uh, and me cleaning it up and everything like that. Yeah, that all goes into a deep love for the dog. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I want, like, have you, have you... Do you Have you been in, in love in life with, like, a... a, a Romantic romantically? Romantically. Yes. Have you been in love more than three times? Um, no. Interesting. I was thinking, because I wonder, is the love at first sight question good anymore? Because a lot of people are just like, no, which is fair, because I don't think I do either. But like, mm. I, like, but at the same time, I don't not, because if someone tells me like they fell in love with someone the first time, I'm like, oh, fascinating. Tell me all about it. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's kind of just a good way of talking about like love. But I wonder- It is a good question. It is a good question. Yeah, maybe it is a good question. I was wondering is like, have you been in love more than three times a better question? But I don't think it is. It's nearly too specific. Too specific. But it, I mean, like, Because then if you haven't been in love at all, yeah, then it might be a very alienating question. Mm, yeah. I think I've been in love three times. You have see. you? Yeah, yeah. More than three times? Mm, or exactly three? Um... Because I think I'm on that as well. Maybe. Did I say more than three to you? You said, have you been in love more than three times? Interesting. I don't know more than three, but I think three. Definitely. Three? I can, yeah. If I can't think But like what type, are we talking about like romantic, like. Yeah. Partners. Yeah. Because like you're, you know, you have family loves. I totally am. Familial, familial love. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an interesting thing like because well not 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 always again I'm speaking generally but like mm. you know we're talking about like kids earlier if you were to have a kid right like I imagine the first time you see a kid has to yeah. be the most overwhelming feeling of love at first sight I think that would be such a scary feeling mm. I think I'd be really scared at the first time I saw like a child of my own yeah because you're so you're so responsible for it mm. and it's so inevitably going to be very very small mm-hmm. and so like fragile um, and uh covered in whatever it's covered in yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> yeah i mean and it, do you know what like i've been thinking about a lot lately is just how significant like your childhood is you know um and oh, yeah. ha- and ha- like i've been just thinking about that lately and like you know no matter what happens you as a kid like whether that's like your love to bits and like you know everything is as close to perfect as can be or whether you had like a really traumatic childhood full of some really difficult stuff like it's just gonna leave such a mark well yeah yeah regardless of what it is yeah whether it's the most gorgeous upbringing ever then you're like very like protected Mm -hmm. and uh, you're not aware of the world maybe and maybe like a bit of trauma is good yeah like letting in a coal uh, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought, do you know that probably was traumatic. Actually, when you think about it, my my therapist is a really good definition for trauma, and she only told me recently, and I love it. It was oh, yeah. so helpful to me. She was like, um, because I was talking about uh, like um, like a person and a, a relationship, and they were like, well, like trauma is when something happens with a person or uh, a relationship or something in your life that means that you will never 
you can never be the same again. Be the same. And wow, like, yeah. that was so useful because it just really helps you to contextualize it because loads of things happen and they're like shit and it makes you angry and it makes you sad and it makes you happy. But it's not like a, a trauma. But like, there are certain things that happen and they, even though they mightn't like, they mightn't look huge, but the impact they have internally, it's like, oh, that like it's fundamentally massive. did change me actually. Yeah, definitely. That was really useful for me. Have you gone through traumas? Am I allowed to ask you questions? Look, yeah, yeah. No, it's ball. a chat. It's a chat. It's a chat. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the one thing I've been realizing recently was, yeah, I have and I didn't know like I didn't know I, I, I lived my whole life not knowing how many I, traumas I'd had yeah no but I and I, do you know I literally didn't remember them until like some I, I, I was aware of like certain stuff that happened definitely Um, but it's fun like it's funny because I would describe my childhood as being like really brilliant <laughs> and now I, I'm remembering stuff and I still remember, and I absolutely adore my parents and I'm mm. so lucky but like yeah I, I, had, I had a real rough childhood and I just I literally blocked it out there's stuff really? that I'm remembering now images of events and things that happened that I just didn't remember yeah. in like my brain literally was like this is not useful for you to remember we're going to block yeah. it out and now like I think um, I'm in a pretty like I'm, I'm just in this certain place where it, like my body feels safe for it to remember yeah. and I'm remembering and, and I'm literally remembering like it's like I'm watching bits of my life in a real grainy film I can re- like like I'm remembering bits and then you don't, don't have much to trust your memory you know? yeah, yeah, yeah that's gorgeous is that, is that like from doing uh, kind of counselling and things that that rears its head yeah, and like I think so because I've done I I've done a lot of therapy and I'm doing a lot of it now at the moment because like my relationship to it is fairly like constant like I kind of I think I'll always be in therapy for my whole life I'd imagine but like most time I'll go like once every two months and it's mm. literally just a check in like if if I'm just feeling a bit like Ugh, um but like at the moment say I'm going like you know once every two weeks and it feels great I just because I, I just mm. I'm just in a bit having a bit of a hard time at the moment and it just feels lovely to have that bit of support you oh, know totally, what I mean like, um yeah and like yeah it's just like if you have to spend your money on something it's like that feels that's like a really right great thing, thing to, to do it on spend it on yeah it 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 feels like uh um. Because I, I, I did a lot of therapy last year because um, I was going through like particularly like dramatic and anxious things. Mm. And um, and at one point, uh, the my counselor was like, I don't I don't think you need to come back quite as often. Um, it's great, but I don't want you. You know, it's this is just a really expensive, great chat. <laughs> um, so uh, so let's dial it back. And so now like I'd go to him maybe maybe three times this year mm. and he has he has he's very open he's like I have clients that come to me once a year just for a check in yeah and uh, that's how they take care of the mental health or whatever yeah, um, yeah. it's totally you know it's, and like it, that's the thing about it it's so nice like um, it can be a changeable thing like you were saying you know because sometimes like because I know like in America um like it's it's I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's common because it's definitely like a very privileged thing to do but I've heard like celebrities say on, on podcasts or like you know like wealthy comedians talk about like going every day yeah, that's intense. And you're like, that's intense. And like, then you you wonder, does it start to be like a coping mechanism, a coping mecha- or even like some sort of form of addiction? Like, yeah, well, that, that may be a better word for it. Yeah, I think so because it's like I'm exhausted. When yeah, I, when I go to counselling, like it's it takes a full load out of me. It does, and um, it's also you know it really like in a weird way, it like because it's funny people sometimes when they do this podcast like oh my god that was like. It was like therapy. It was like counselling or something. It does feel a little bit like But that. you know why yeah. it is? It's because I'm literally just, you know, I know we're talking about me a little bit now, but like I'm and 90% so of the time just talking about you. Yeah. And it, that feels really good. Like as yeah. people like that, most people really like that feeling. Yeah. And how often do we do that? Like sit down for an hour, turn our phones off and just chat about you. Yeah. Counselling. This is like the only time that I would 
like be akin it, it would be akin to that mm-hmm. yeah it's really really nice um but it's uh yeah it's funny no it's good and did you so it, mm. it, it you found it useful i did yeah and i just found a really really great dude um yeah. which i think is so important um and he's yeah he's really like I don't think he's like really by the book. Mm. I think he's very like anti-establishment when it yeah. comes to like um, counselling, and he's very like open. He like chats about himself a lot, uh-huh. and like uh, he'll like draw parallels between our lives, and he'll go off on one for five minutes, mm. and it's actually really nice. I think it's they're like strategically placed when he sees that like I'm almost like running out of breath and I'm exhausted from like a certain topic or something, and he'll like chime in and like mm. let me just sit there and. Uh, and almost meditate in in his own story, mm. which is great. Um, but yeah, I think it, I think it's helpful, and think it's a, it's a, it's a, it feels like a contemporary thing as well to to keep check of your mental health, mm-hmm. and it feels like a, a thing that's part of our generation. Um, but I think it's definitely definitely a good thing. Is it a job you'd ever like to do? Uh, mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. Um, I think I think I'd be taking on a lot of people's things yeah do you yeah, know they'd be time. very heavy mm. and isn't it like counselors have to have their own counselor yeah my mom's a therapist say, and uh she she has to have yeah they like they like when they're training you have to do like uh like hundreds of hours of therapy yourself yeah yeah and then and then you also have a, a supervisor um t- who like will monitor your your like work with your clients and if you're having like specific issues or something's particularly heavy or you need like advice or whatever it is yeah it's very like well regulated in that way but yeah mm. it's funny it's, it's something that like I'm gonna a little humble brag here but my therapist is always like you know you'd be a great therapist like <laughs> she yeah. really likes that I'm an actor but she's also like you know you'd be a great therapist does she listen to the podcast um, she has done yeah and really? she gave me advice on it yeah really yeah she was like I think you could just slow down a little bit and I was like wow. yeah and it was good it was good advice because I'm obviously like just a fast paced person like that's my energy yeah. uh, and that's why I was kind of like to her and she's like yeah I know and I love that and I think anyone who likes the podcast will like that about you that's why they listen to it mm. but she was but she was right like because I um, I could have just done with you know like a breath Slowing and uh, a yeah. yeah and she but she's great because she um, but she follows me on Twitter now oh that's is that a a line crossed I don't know and I follow her back because <laughs> well, I yeah. yeah like and I don't want to follow her because she doesn't tweet anything so <laughs> I was like what's the point but um, but I kind of feel like it's rude not to follow your own therapist on Twitter it's weird yeah because sometimes I tweet about therapy because I think it's gas like, is it her like personal account or is it like some sort of like like professional you see she's an author company. as well Oh. She's like uh, she writes therapy books. Like she's my head went to like, <laughs> it's like your your counselor is J.K. Rowling. That's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, she's and and she's so good. Like I think because she because my mom's a therapist. Like my mom had done like courses with her and like she mm. identified her very quickly. As like oh, this is a special person. So when like uh, we I started going, um, like she's really interesting in the way she works though because she won't see you without having seen your mom and dad and you Whoa. in the same session so we had to do like three sessions in her house because I, I go to her via Skype because she uh, oh, lives nice. in the north but like she's so good I'd never want to not that I'm sure maybe there'd be a time where like it would be beneficial to see someone else but yeah. like she's so good that like I would find it like not advantageous to go to someone else right now um, but you have to sit down with your mum and dad and like do that work because like maybe that's why I'm so was saying to you earlier about like how I've been thinking about my childhood because she's so focused on that, on that yeah. like I'll talk I'll talk about anything like about something that happened like this week and like it'll inevitably come go back, back to, to you know being that's like, such a stereotype isn't it such a stereotype It's but it's annoying how obvious it is, like yeah. your problems are sometimes like and she's just like 
yeah, well, it, it's because this wasn't met when you were young and, and yeah, you've been yearning it's for it. It's because you're letting like that go. It's because you're letting that go. You know what I mean? It's very interesting. The Skype thing is mad. It, has it ever happened that you're like in the middle of something really deep and it's like, and I'm really, I c- <laughs> <laughs> just like <laughs> frozen screen. Do you know? Or that she's in the middle of like a golden nugget of advice and it just cuts off. Not, not that comedically but like it's it's definitely like there's been one or two times where it's like not been ideal you know what i mean but um no it like it's definitely not ideal it's better to be in the room but it's just so hard and it makes it easier for us to schedule you know like with acting stuff and it can be hard to yeah know where you're at like it's funny it's great yeah you require a really strong wi-fi connection that is therapy. that is what i and a strong wi-fi connection and a stronger connection with my therapist yes spin the ball all right here we go number 20 do you have it <sighs> No. Can I give like one word answer? It's going to fly through. <laughs> <laughs> Try this. Uh, number 20. What is the biggest misconception about acting? Oh, like the obvious ones of like meeting meeting someone for the first time. They're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I'm an actor. Oh, what? Are you on TV? Right. Um, How do you handle that? <laughs> sometimes I do like, I deliberately give the shittest thing I've ever done and uh, see their reaction like say, oh... I was actually on a Discover Dublin ad that I got cut out of, which is totally true. Yeah. Which is totally true. I did this, uh, did that ad and uh, I was meant to be playing like the boyfriend in a couple that were like going around Ireland and going on the Viking Splash Tour. And uh, on the day I turned up and the girl I was cast opposite was like this beautiful lady, like a like a Bond girl. Like, mm. like there's no way we were like... <laughs> Like compatible, or and, and I was like, I'm gonna get cut out of this. This is then like people aren't gonna believe this, and sure enough, the thing came out, and you see the back of my head a couple of times, and yeah. So like, cut out. they just made the girl single. No, they it was it was like this like male figure was implied beside her, but it was just more like about her and her experience, and uh, but so funny we went on the Viking Splash tour, and but nobody really told her what it was. Um. This girl was Polish, and uh, so we're going around, and there was just it was just a regular Viking splash tour. There were people there, and then we were at the back, and they were filming us. And then it get it got to the point where we went onto the Grand Canal, or not the Grand Canal, where is it near the Borgash, mm-hmm. going out to the water, becoming the amphibious car that it is. And she turned to me, and she's like, "I'm I'm afraid of water." And uh, I was like, "What?" And she's like, "I'm I'm really afraid of water." I was like, "Well, this is the Viking splash tour." <laughs> <laughs> and um, splash yeah, yeah you're just gonna have to you're just gonna have to go with it and yeah. uh and uh she got really freaked out and uh pulled the life vest on us or whatever we do at that point and she was uh really really scared of the water and splashing in into us and whatever and i was just trying to be like i was more of a like on-set therapist than i was an actor that day Hilarious. like trying to calm her down just uh and there's like a few seconds of her like having a great time smiling on the boat and then it's cut to like us in the mountains gas <laughs> yeah that's so funny it's so funny that, that they were just yeah I mean maybe like if she was just that beautiful they were like we can't show anything else to detract from it like we cannot show Michael David <laughs> next Michael David will ruin it <laughs> everyone's just like not realistic not he, realistic he'd never get with her fuck that but that's it that's, that's what it was um, I just did a really funny audition and I just got on with the people in the audition they're like ah oh, yeah get that guy in and then it turned up and I was like and our skins were so different like she was this beautiful bronzed skin ah oh, mm. yeah did you how like, did you get paid your full fee oh yeah I got the money oh, well, which then. is great so that's better because then you're cut out and you can do another ad yeah yeah. I, I had that before and it was great I have a history of like ads not happening for me mm. Um, 
or getting cut out of them, but still getting paid, which is great. I was a dad in an ad once. I remember you telling me that, yeah. With like a with a with a with a newborn baby, mm. mad. Like I, I went in for the audition, and it was like this financial institution or new financial thing, and uh, it was like a series of ads that were going out, and um, I, w- I auditioned for the like the twenty something guy in the suit going for a job interview, mm. and. Um, I got a call the next day. I was like, oh, you got that out? I was like, oh, great, super. I was like, not for the part you auditioned for. They want you to be the new dad in his 30s. I was like, what did I do in that room mm. that gave off these re- paternal vibes? And I turned up and it was this baby and it was, I had to change a baby. Um, and it was amazing. The baby was like crying a lot. And I'll, there's a lot of footage that is totally unusable because I'm trying to like look down the lens and change the baby at the same time and deliver this like really earnest financial tagline or whatever. Yeah. And the baby's just like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and then uh, and then I discovered peekaboo. Maybe I would be a great dad. And uh, and I like I started doing peekaboo. I cover my cover my eyes and like open them up and mm. it just calmed the fuck down really quickly. And uh, the director was I think Tekel Nani and he was like, roll. Okay, go, go, get the get get the shot, and uh, got it. But it never went here. Uh, well, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. I learned something about parenting. That well, I mean, that's the main thing. <laughs> <laughs> never a wasted day. Every day is a school day. Right, number fifty-seven. Do you have it? Oh, fifty-eight, man. <laughs> number fifty-seven. The question is, what's one thing everyone likes that you don't? I have the opposite. Oh. I have the like something that I like yeah. that most people don't. Is that okay that I flip the question? Yeah, yeah, go for it. But I think you're going to be on board with this. I like I like Coldplay a lot. I was going to ask you about Coldplay earlier because, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, obviously, like it's the obvious thing to ask me. Well, no, but I mean, say a lot of people really don't like Dislike Coldplay, Coldplay. Yeah. which is weird. Like life is too short not to like Coldplay <laughs> that much. Can that be the? Tagline of this, yeah, episode. like, like uh, life is too short to hate Coldplay. That, like, I, I, I would get that tattooed on my face. As in, like, I don't like I, and I, I d- what I realized about Coldplay a while ago. I used to love Coldplay like growing up, right? Yeah. But what I realized about Coldplay recently is Coldplay just stopped writing songs. They don't write songs anymore, and that's fine. They write concert experiences. <laughs> they, they do, and it's amazing. Like, it's kind of the way to go because they realized, I think, being a bit like, uh, this is a bit of a, a hot take, but like I think they realized like, we don't make any money from our albums anymore. That's absolutely fine. We're going to write the most spectacular live show. Yeah. As two people in the theatre, like, and like, you know, like I, I think a lot of actors especially probably mightn't like Coldplay because actors normally have cool taste in music. <laughs> I have shit taste in music. Like, I like terrible music. I don't like good music. Like, I don't like okay. music that people think is cool. I like kind of shit music, <laughs> but I really like it. Yeah, um, yeah. But like... I just think they did. You know what I mean? Like you've seen them live like a as much times. as I and like. Did you see them in Croke Park? Yeah. Ah, oh, like Jesus. But even like uh, there's what a, a show. There's a music reviewer, um, Dave Hanratty. He hosts a No Encore podcast here, and I'm quite sure Dave isn't a big Coldplay fan. Hmm. But he, I, I'm pretty sure, and he reviews gigs like for a living. Like he, he's done it for Hot Press, and mm-hmm. um, that's like his job. Uh, he works for Joe Daddy now, but like he, he's done it for years. And he said, like I think I'm pretty sure I could be misquoting him, but fuck him. Uh, he said <laughs> that Coldplay was the greatest live concert like he ever scene or God, something that is, that is uh, if that's misquoting that is but you know <laughs> it, it suits my argument <laughs> so fuck it yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah no I totally agree like yeah yeah their concert experience is like unparalleled mm-hmm. especially the idea of like those wristbands like yeah. whether you like Coldplay or not what a great idea to give everyone a, a wristband that lights up in sync with the music mm. that's, a, that's and everyone's a part of the fucking gig then yeah What? so what is it that, that, that you like about Coldplay I don't know I think I just started listening to them like at a really like informative Musically informative period, um, 
when I was starting to play in bands and I was like, oh, and like Viva La Vida came out, the album, and it's like, oh, wow, music can sound like that. Mm. Do you know, you could do that. And then it was just a battle between me and the guitarist in our band, of like me trying to make us sound more like Coldplay and him trying to make us sound more like Green Day. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we were sure. like, we met in the middle in this kind of soft rock mm. um, place. Cold Day. Cold Day. Yeah. Green Play. Green Play. <laughs> they won't work. It's like a political party. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know what like drew me to Coldplay. I suppose they're like easily accessible. Like, um, I like that they they kind of dismiss that the rock and roll myth, and that the uh, like that they've like they've definitely had problems and personal problems um, in their lives and in their careers. But they don't try and glamorize that, mm-hmm. or they don't like um, uh, help that sell the music, or it's not like oh they're. Uh, Chris Martin's on heroin like they've got to buy the album now I don't like that kind of thing right I don't like that those kind of personal things can help sell the music I think that's it just feels I don't know in, ungenuine mm. yeah do you know I, I listened to a really good interview with uh, Ethan Hawke is probably my favourite actor or, or certainly one of my favourite actors really? and yeah I love him I think he's brilliant but I love I love the way his brain works I love hearing him, him talk in interviews and stuff and he had a great thing recently because he he was an he when he was 25 i think he was offered a movie with jack nicholson who's like his acting hero but he also had a book deal to write a novel and i think he'd written the novel but his editor wanted one more draft and he kind of had to choose between doing this movie or the book and he but at the time he was getting criticized a lot for being like pretentious and being like yeah okay you're like an up-and-coming actor fine but like who do you think you are writing your book and and like doing like stage plays and directing this and having a theater company he was just doing a lot of things Mm. um and he was thinking about it and you know he got advice from people and a lot of people were saying to him they were like look don't do the book because people are already making fun of you like do the movie like you're going to do a good job in the movie and like the book could go either way and people are already looking like for a scapegoat with this thing and he was just like but he's like the only if I was to take the criticism seriously and like because everyone was calling him pretentious basically and he was like the only thing that like would make me pretentious was if I like took it seriously but he's like I just joke about it I was like yeah it is pretentious sure like I like yeah. that about Coldplay as well they don't try and pretend to be anything they're not I think they're very self-aware that like yeah. you know like they the music they make I mean it touches loads of people and it does this and that but like they also know that like loads of people think they're shit and yeah, they're fine yeah. with that and I, they're grand that's and, so endearing and they just embrace the people who do like them yeah like I mean that's all you can kind of do isn't it I think so yeah yeah, yeah. it's like James Blunt isn't it it's like he's really like self self-aware and like right. I remember seeing him on Top Gear um, when he's been interviewed and Jeremy Clarkson was like you're very very like self-aware that people don't like your music and and uh, and that they don't think your music is any good and he was just like well have you heard it <laughs> and it's, just, it's just a really great self-deprecating approach to, to that yeah. kind of criticism totally because like that's the thing like on some level James Blunt does think his music is good he, he definitely <laughs> does like otherwise hopefully he, yeah like he wouldn't be making it but like although he, like that reminds me of MGMT mm. who wrote that uh, their first album was like unintentionally great, right? And then they became huge and had all those great hits. And then they were like, "Oh no, we actually we didn't really want to be like celebrities. We didn't want to be like pop stars or anything like that." And then they wrote, at least this is what I read, that they wrote an intentionally bad album to get out of that. And we haven't heard of MGMT ever since. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, yeah, it was just that interesting notion of like people's criticism of you is kind of only right if you like fight against it or like especially of your like your attitude you know what I mean like if you call someone like you say like, oh, 
James James Blunt, he's a wanker. It's like he's only a wanker re- if James Blunt goes, yeah, I can be a wanker, a bit of a wanker. Like then he's not a wanker. Yeah. But if James Blunt's like, fuck you, I'm not a wanker. I'm a fucking artist. You're beautiful is one of the best songs of all time. Sold so many hits. Goodbye, my lover. It's a classic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then you're like wanker. wanker. You know, so it's so funny. It just depends on your attitude. You can yeah, kind totally. of dictate it. Right. Um. Let's we have two more balls here. Let's give them a spin. Oh, shit. Okay. You could, unless you get like six into, I don't know how that works, but fuck it. Uh, number 33, do you have it? No, I'm going to whitewash, man. Okay, number 33. Um, are you the oldest, youngest, or middle child, or only child? Um, I am the youngest. Mm. I have three half-sisters that are older than me. Ah. And they all have, the, they're not much older, but they have their own families and their own like children and mm. their own dogs. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so I'm sort of the youngest. Yeah. What's it like having three older ladies in your life? <laughs> um, <laughs> Makes it sound sexual. I didn't mean weird. it. To. No, but like having <laughs> that, like, do you use them as like you know, kind of um, for guidance and advice? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we don't like see each other like super regularly because they're like raising their kids and mm. stuff. Um, but like, they're definitely great for uh, for advice, especially in the romantic. Yeah, um, I think. Oh yeah, and you'll Absolutely ask them. You have that relationship where that's totally comfortable. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, because they feel like it's like they're it's like a not a not a parenting aspect, but there's like they're older than me, but they're also close, much closer to me in age than my parents. Mm. So it feels like almost cooler to go to, or at least I haven't done it in a while, but it felt cooler to uh, to go to them for advice about that sort of thing. Sure, um, and they always had good things to to impart and uh they were always like very like uh uh dead set and like making sure that i was like doing the right thing right and like being a gentleman and whatever can i ask you a weird question yeah go on is there ever any like tension in like a family where you've got like half siblings where like you know so like they've come from a different Mm, relationship yeah Yeah. so is it it, what, what what what's that like is it a talked about thing or like it kind of goes back to the thing of that like the the childhood thing of like you you normal is just what you grow up with mm-hmm. and it, it it is what it is so like they'd be they wouldn't be in the house that i grew up in mm. the they lived with their mom when i was growing up um and then subsequently on their own when they were old enough mm. um but like they'd still holiday with us and they'd still come over like certain weekends yeah. and I just knew that as normal because mm-hmm. that's what I was born into so it was like oh yeah my sisters just have a different like place that they live and uh, a different side of the family and it was never really it was never really a thing in my head it was never really a question and it's only when you get older you're like oh I wonder how that actually was on the inside because mm-hmm. like, in a certain sense like when you're really young like they kind of protect maybe there maybe there were tensions mm. when I was really young but like I didn't I wasn't aware of them mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a curious thing. I was like, oh, I wonder if there were things that I just went over my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the honest answer is, I actually don't know. Yeah, no, it's a lovely answer. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> good answer. Right, let's give it one last spin. You. Here we go. Number fifty-five. Sorry, bud. <sighs> absolute disaster. Sorry, bud. All right, number fifty-five. Oh, this is kind of nice one to finish on. Number fifty-five. If you could give twelve-year-old you some advice, what would you say? Oh. Uh. Like twelve year old, as in, am I in primary school doing my like I guess confirmation, so. or I'm in like secondary school in first year? Uh, I think those are like it's such like a f- sudden flip. What when what, you're what month's your birthday in? 
August. So let's say it's the August. It it's your last day of being, being uh, eleven or twelve. Let's say it's your last day being twelve. So you're just about to go into secondary school. Yeah, that's a good time to get some advice. Uh, get different school shoes than I chose. What did you? What, what was wrong with your school shoes? Uh, I got. Did you have a thing where you you got a shoes that were Dubari shoes? Uh, no. Known as dubs. No. Okay, so Gee, that's me, me and this is a yeah, this is a Belvia thing. Yeah. So me and my mom went into a shoe shop before I went into school, and uh, she was like, "Okay, pick whatever shoes you want." And I was like, "Oh, those look pretty cool." And there was these do these like shoes that had like a kind of like a creamy bottom. I was like, "Oh, they kind of look like cool and not like school shoes, but you know, I'm sure they're acceptable." Mm-hmm. And then I came in on the first day, and there was all these older lads pointing at me saying like ah dupes I had no clue what this meant and uh, I didn't even know the brand name I was like why am I dupe <laughs> and uh, so I, I think I just got a I got a very I got a shock mm. the first maybe couple of weeks of school because of that and then I realised oh there's just they're just a particularly like good brand of shoes yeah. and maybe that just says something about your socio-economic place and uh, lads will just take take you apart for whatever it, they can it's weird though because I would have thought that like because I like as someone who you know went to school and me then whenever like not that there's like a massive geographical difference but like we would like our stereotype would have been like the Russell Kyle Kelly thing of like people who go to Belvedere wear dubs so it's weird that like you got maybe that's why that they were like you're purporting the stereotype that we're trying to get away from <laughs> I don't know that's a very intellectual thing too. yeah I mean the lads probably just did, did something that. that was different but it was because I grew up in me I, mm. I wasn't aware of what that was I just saw a cool pair of shoes and then they just became when I went to school it was just this different thing and then you're introduced to, then you kind of realise what like clothes are almost like a social currency when you're in school and you're or at least in the school I went to and at the time it was like you know wearing a certain brand of hoodie mm. like the Abercrombie mm. or the Hollister thing um, versus like an Adidas original I don't know this clo- clothes just seem to say so much about you um, when really they don't make any difference at all what was the first you did you know many people going into that school i knew nobody no one at all i knew no one when was the first moment you felt at home at belvedere or felt like you belonged there uh, i don't know i i did i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. i enjoyed it straight off the bat um and i like my class and people in it um i don't know if there's like a like a seminal moment mm. where i was like ah it just felt place is mine. right, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose when you get like into the older years, you kind of feel like the school is yours, yeah. almost, and you like know all the codes to the secret corridors and stuff. You which codes it, in your doors, which exist in Belvedere. Oh yeah. man, I didn't ever had codes. There's, there's a, these like uh, corridors above, like on the very top floor of the school. Wow, that like like connect all the buildings together. We didn't have an upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have doors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we like got to know all the codes, and we'd like just use them. Because we'd have to, we'd have to know them because uh, I was a prefect, so I'd have to go and mm. ch- chat to my first year class and be able to get back to my first class of the day very quickly. So we were allowed to have the codes, and that felt like a real privilege and, uh, nice. and, a, and a badge of honor. Love it. Yeah. All right, man. This is I'm, it. I'm sorry that you whitewashed, but we've had a lovely chat. How do you pick these numbers? Then? I know, I know. Well, come here. Um, you've got a very cool show coming up with some very funny people. Um, tell us a little bit about Ballstuff. Ballstuff is a acting workshop based on the long forgotten and revolutionary theory of Nikolai Balstov, mm. um, who's a Hungarian acting master. 
from the 1800s and uh, myself and Ronan Carey and Fionn Foley uh, I don't know whether to do this in character or not. I'm quite enjoying this <laughs> because we I, we did a, we did an interview with someone or an email interview where they sent us a lot of serious questions about it and I didn't want to answer it very seriously I wanted to answer it in character so I'd wait and see if it publishes today I don't know yeah. um, but it's a it's a it's a really silly take uh, it's real it's a parody on acting training and it takes the kind of like idea of like revering kind of Stanislavski and all those uh, dead white men mm. um, and uh, and just kind of flipping it on its head and giving these nonsensical ideas to uh, an audience and it's also about like our relationships breaking down and that's probably the, the funniest part of the show that these three practitioners of the Ballstuff method um, are really having a hard time getting it getting the shit together and it's kind of this disaster comedy uh awful ted talk experience it's really funny yeah it's hannah mamalis is the director mm-hmm. shane gill is the lighting designer and uh oh, yeah yeah uh, so it's a great team and it's the most i ever laugh is when we're doing that show and when we're rehearsing that it's just nonsensical yeah I love it. Well, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there on the Friday. um, And there's the show the Friday, the Saturday. Friday, Saturday, the 14th and 15th of December in Smock Alley at half seven. Get your tickets now, baby. Do. Michael David McKernan, thank you so much for playing Personality Bingo. Thanks for having me. So, guys, that was the brilliant Michael David McKernan playing Personality Bingo. MD, if you're listening, a massive thank you to you for taking the time to do it. I always feel a little bit conflicted because I've said Michael David most of the time, but I said MD a couple of times because they're both your name. Um, it was a deadly episode, and thank you so much for taking the time to do it, guys. As I said, go out and check out Ballstuff. As I said, I'm going on the Friday the 14th, and there's some tickets still available for the Saturday the 14th, uh, Saturday the 15th as well, I should say. So go and check out the lads. It's at 7.30 in the main space in Smock Alley, and um, after uh, a run already in the International Bar, um, word in the street is, this is pretty funny. So go and check out the boys. Um, in other news, guys, nothing major. Coming up to Christmas now, which is mad, and so 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 close to our 100th episode I'm working really hard to try get something very special going for that but it's such a busy time of year for everyone too so um, hopefully we're going to pull that one off um, and I'm going to be working over the, in the States in, in the new year for a little bit and um, have some very exciting news coming about um, a new play that I've been working on that I hope to be able to share with people uh, in the very near future in some shape make or form um, so working away on that too and uh, and yeah, it's been it's been kind of a mental year full of ups and downs as years tend to have. Um, but I suppose as we're nearing the 100th episode of Personality Bingo, it's a uh, time to reflect and be grateful and um, be all the all the feelings. So uh, myself and the wonderful Erin Lindsay are currently planning our two-person Christmas party. Uh, the of Christmas party is um, on this weekend as well. So as, as you listen to this episode on Sunday, if you get it the day it comes out, you could be. Um, you could be listening at the same time as I am being rather hungover because there are always lovely nights where you get to see everyone from the network. And uh, as I always like to say, if you 
haven't checked out some of the other podcasts on the network do there's so many good ones and a special shout out to my friend Kevin Olihan uh, on his new podcast Fireside it's produced by the brilliant Jamie Reynolds and it's uh, the Irish storytelling podcast so something totally different from personality bingo but something that I totally think you'll dig so the thank yous as always to the brilliant boss woman Erin Lindsay for mixing editing and producing the podcast see you at the Christmas party Erin uh, also to the wonderful Liam Moore and Anthony Mann for their gorgeous theme music to the brilliant Conor Nolan for his beautiful artwork and as always to Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us aboard the Head Stuff podcast ship lads and your gents thank you so much for everything that ye do so guys that's it tune in next week when the amazing Stephanie Dufresne plays personality bingo with Tom Moore